Boom, just like that. Another episode of the AOA podcast. Uh, what's more fitting on the eve of our country's birthday than discussing our country's most number one disputed and talked about, discussed conspiracy theory, the Kennedy assassination? The National Archives are saying that they have released 99% of all the documents pertaining to the Kennedy assassination. Dear Lord. Uh, lots to talk about, obviously, on this one. We'll discuss all the ins and outs, what's out there, what's available, how you can read it. Spoiler alert. There is links to the documents in this episode description. Um, and what is still to come. So we'll go over all that. Plus, the FAA approved their first flying car ever. The future is upon us. And some sad news here is Robert De Niro lost his uh, grandson. Very tragic news here in the New York area. We'll get to all that and more on this episode, baby. It's a podcast right there. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday to you. Hopefully, uh, everybody is celebrating their 4th of July. It's a weird kind of time for 4th of July, right? A Tuesday. Some people off today. Some people not off. It's a four-day weekend for some. It's not. Some people work today. It was a mess. Some people will work Wednesday. That'll be a mess. I feel like let's just give it a week off. It's America's birthday. Let's just all put it together for a week. We'll have our hot dogs and our brewskis, and uh, we'll call it a day. That's how it should be. Instead... (laughs) We're taking Tuesday off for the most part. Kind of feels random and weird and odd. Speaking of random and weird and odd, the Kennedy assassination documents. How about this? A couple of uh, weeks ago, your old pal aunt sitting around the house, nothing to do. I'm like, you know, I haven't watched Oliver Stone's JFK in a while. Let me put that on. Put it on. Watching it. I'm like, damn, I forgot how good this movie was and how big it was at the time. Um, remember Newman in there and then they spoofed it on Seinfeld it was just everywhere for a little while uh, so much so that it sparked the uh, JFK Assassination Records Collection Act in 1992 people thought we deserve to know what's happening I'm watching the end of the uh, thing there and I think it comes up on screen I forget correct me if I'm wrong I'm sure some of you guys out there really know it was like, oh, the all the documents will be released in 2036 or 2032 or something like that. And uh, that's like the last thing that shows up in the movie before it goes, before we fade to black. And I just remember thinking, wow, like we're so close to it. This is going to be amazing. And then here we are a couple of days later and they're like, actually, we decided to release everything hella early. And uh, here you go. It's all out there. So for those of you that are curious... There are tens of thousands of documents to review in the link in this episode's description. So you can head on over to the link, whether you're on Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. In the description for the episode, there will be a link to the National Archive and all of the uh, pertaining documents, which the archive says, and I quote, you got 99% of them. Now, that's up for dispute, as is the assassination itself. A lot of people are saying that that is not true. But regardless, um, the uh, Collection Act said that basically they had to release everything regarding the Kennedy assassination. The archives uh, just a few days ago said 99% of the material has been made public. Uh, In a memo released on Friday, President Biden revealed that the archivist finished the review in May and that the remaining documents authorized to be declassified had been released to the public. Uh, This comes on the day of the previously established deadline to declassify the documents. The Warren Commission's report on Kennedy's assassination initially was sealed. Oh, 2039. There you go. Until 20. I knew I had in my notes. Um, That got upended by the JFK Records Act in 1992, as I said. Um to produce all the documents uh, regarding or in and around the assassination. The law required that they all be released by 2017. Donald Trump, along with President Biden as well, in both of our, so the 
in two of the past two presidencies, they dis, uh, they postponed the disclosure of several uh, documents on several occasions, citing advice from the FBI, the CIA, and other intelligence agencies. So here we are, 2017, right? Some 50, some odd years later, 40, 40 50 years later, and there's still, after they've, after we've already passed a law saying we're going to put all this stuff out, here's the FBI, the CIA, other intelligence agencies in 2017 going, uh, maybe actually hold off on that. Just need a couple more years. Need a couple more years on the whole thing. Uh, during his presidency, Donald Trump, President Trump released tens of thousands of documents uh, during that, uh, during his administration. Most of them included redactions. The Biden administration released more than 14,000 documents related to Kennedy's assassination by December, which is when the president ordered a six-month review of the remaining records. More than 2,600 documents have been released since then, including the 1,103 that were posted publicly just this past week. NARA worked in concert with agencies to jointly review the remaining redactions in 3,648 documents in compliance with the president's directive, according to the National Archives, uh, which they said in the statement, quote, between April and June 2023, NARA posted 26,072 documents containing newly released information. Nearly 13,000 documents uh, on the attack were ordered to be made public by the administration in December, and 1,500 more documents were released in the 12 months prior. You're thinking, what, huh? A lot of documents. Well, a lot of documents here. White House Press Secretary uh, Karine Jean-Pierre said Friday that the president's memo on the newest batch of documents was released as part of the administration's continued commitment to government transparency. <laughs> Sorry. Under President Biden, she said, under President Biden's leadership, agencies have fully declassified over 16,000 documents since 2021. This action reflects his instruction that all information related to President Kennedy's assassination should be released, except when the strongest possible reasons counsel otherwise. So government transparency. We're, we're keeping these things a secret for your protection. Okay. We're going to release these things. Okay. We're going to release these things because you all need to learn the truth. Okay. We're holding on to a couple of things because we're not ready to show you the truth yet. It was 1963. I mean, it's 2023. It has been 60 years. It's time to let it out. I mean, is it me or is it just so obviously an embarrassment that we, whether it be the CIA or L... Uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson himself, LBJ, or a conspiratorial mishmash between a lot of them. But whatever it was, we had our own president whacked, it feels like, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the right time to, to say that. There's ever going to be a right time to say that, right? Doesn't that kind of feel like it is? Like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll go we'll totally transparent. We're going to be totally transparent unless <laughs> unless the strongest possible reasons counsel otherwise. That's hysterical. That's such wonderful language. What would the strongest possible reasons be uh, that this was bad? That a lot of these conspiracies are right, that there had to be a second shooter. Um, so on and so forth. Now, you're thinking that's 12,000. I am not going to read all those. What is, what's the most interesting thing? Well, I'll be honest with you. I haven't poured through all of it yet. But overwhelmingly, what's, what's jumping out as the most important document in this latest document dump of the Kennedy assassination documents um, is the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald was a Russian agent. So there's a document in these documents from Russia, full disclosure, but they are claiming that Lee Harvey Oswald was a Russian agent. Obviously, a lot of the 
uh, theories surrounding Lee Harvey Oswald does no surprise to anybody, right? He was in and out of Russia a ton. Um, I know there was one case where he went from Helsinki or he he was traveling and he got into the capital. He got into uh, the Russian capital like super quick. Like to this day, unless there's no explanation for it unless he was, you know, uh, you know, a Russian agent. They they can't figure out how he got in so quick and got out so quick. Um, certainly a lot of people are wondering. Obviously, we have the Russian conflict, the Cuba stuff. I mean, when you when you roll together all the jazz regarding the Kennedy assassination, right? Um, you have the Cuba stuff with the the mafia. You have the conflict with Russia. You have um, you have uh, social equality, right, and everything going on with that. Sixties a huge time for change. Kennedy's ushering in a new era. He's doing things differently. Uh, he doesn't want to go into Vietnam. So there's the the generals and the war machine and that whole theory, right? Wasn't uh, Robert Kennedy just on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast talking about exactly that? Kennedy didn't want to give into the military industrial complex and his own, uh, you know, generals had him rubbed out. Um. There's this, there's a theory out there too. And it was in, I mean, I guess this is mostly the, the JFK move, the uh, Oliver Stone's JFK. Right. And it just seems so crazy plausible to me that there were just so many people, right. That wanted Kennedy out that it just, this idea that it just kind of came together, that it, it wasn't like, you know, one of the guys from the mob and one of the guys from Russia and one of the guys from the CAA and one of the guys from the, the joint Jesus there, right. That they all got together at a meeting room somewhere in a dark room. And they all decided that they were going to do this, but rather this idea of this group is unhappy. That group is unhappy. That group is unhappy. And then this theory gets floated out there of the assassination and then nobody does anything to stop it, but everybody kind of does things to help it. Right. This whole theory of like, there wasn't a driving force behind it, but because of all of the enemies he was making that an idea could get floated out there and how it could magically kind of come together without there being like a quote unquote project manager, without there being somebody going like, okay, we have to make sure we, we get this done by this day. We got to make sure we get this done by this day. We got to make sure we got the people in place. We got this and that, right? That it could actually work between the CIA, secret service, outside countries, organized crime, that without really this driving force and this huge map of this, all the, the dates and times and tasks and objectives they need to get done in order to do this, that it could actually happen. Mistakingly, almost. There's something about that theory that just makes a ton of sense to me. You know, it just makes the most sense of how this idea of, well, what if we just kill them? And then everybody just kind of starts leaning into that and starts taking their cues of, all right, well, we're not going to have the extra Secret Service when they come into Dallas. And, and you know, and then we're not going to do this. And then these these documents, there's just too much involved. You know, again, this idea of, you know, we talked about this a lot during Epstein's bullshit, right? Like, was he uh, an Israeli uh, agent? Was he a USA agent? And then it's kind of like, well, how do you know? How do our own countries even know? This one's a double agent. This one's like, it's not like a video game or a movie where you're like, oh, that's a good guy and that's a bad guy. You know, when you're dealing in this world of espionage and spies, you don't always know. Could a CIA agent be also a Russian agent and vice versa? And I, you know, I'm sure that shit happens. I'm sure it happens all the time. I'm sure that as our country comes across foreign secret agents, 
that we try and convert, get information from, neutralize, et cetera, so on and so forth, that it's not like a catch in jail and this and that. I'm sure they follow them and they give them information and there's like, it's a long period of time, you know? He could have been working for both. And again, like I said, all this kind of crazy stuff and these stars just kind of align. Now, look, is 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 what happened in Dallas a choreographed event? Yeah, I think so. Somebody had to be behind that. But again, I think this accidental conspiracy theory is the best theory out there of like the Secret Service failed to do this. The CIA failed to do that. Local cops failed to do this, you know. Uh, all these groups kind of started coming together and meeting because of all the things that Kennedy was doing. It was happening and it was just kind of like out there in the ether. And then somebody just kind of executed it. And then so what happens when you get done and finished with everything and you start to analyze these documents, you start going through everything, you start to put it all together like, holy shit, this would be bad for everybody involved. This would be bad for not only Americans to know, but it would be bad for the CIA to, to show what exactly they did and what was wrong. This would be really bad for the Secret Service if it got out that they could have put extra agents down in the field on that day in Dallas and didn't. Why weren't they covering the most obvious spot for, you know, when the car was going to slow down and he could have gotten shot and he did get shot in that? Why were there no agents in certain, like, it, you start to look at all of it and you go, oh. This theory of he was a problem for the establishment, and it just made sense for each group, each Afro, you know, aforementioned group, the mafia, the Secret Service, the generals, the Russia. It just made sense if he wasn't there. Just made too much sense. Just this, like, just that kind of theory, and everybody kind of does their own little part and. Even though there was no grand, no, it just makes a lot of sense, if you ask me. You know, so I don't know. I kind of I like that. That seems to be the most plausible theory, and the reason why we're still not getting the documents. So, like as I said, Russia claiming that Oswald was a Russian agent. Okay, fine. That's a document that you could release. It, you know, it, it it it's 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 Russia claiming it. Is it true or not? We still don't know. It's blurry. I could see that kind of thing getting out. But as people are pouring through this, they're estimating that there's still roughly like 4,000 more documents that need to come out that haven't come out. There was something, there was a document that the Warren Commission uh, did. And I know that that's not a part of this document dump. Like they had done a, a full study on Oswald getting in and out of Russia and how he did it so quickly and whether or not he was a, a Russian asset. And we know a study was commissioned. We know a study was done. It was presented to the Warren Commission or by the Warren Commission, and that was kept classified. And now that's not even like they don't even know where that is. Like uh, among the archiv the archivists and the people that are super interested in this, they're arguing like, well, where is this? Um the guy who wrote the screenplay for JFK, the Oliver Stone movie, um, he went on, uh, his name is Jim Duginio. He was on uh, Fox News the other day, and he had printed out a couple of pages of one of the documents that was released. And it was like, it was labeled four page document. You look, you flip to page two, page two is completely empty. You go to page four and page four is like the worst sort of remnants of a bad uh, Xerox machine, not even a photocopy, folks. I use the term Xerox machine on purpose. It's just a bad. Remember the remember in the late 80s, just a bad Xerox copies you would get. It looked like that. And nothing on the page was legible. So there's still a lot, even though there's this like push towards transparency. I feel like it's it's that old gag of like, well, we 99% of the time, like we can claim. Where are those documents? Well, we've got 99% out. I don't know what the people want. 
you know, we've got 99% out. We're still working on the, like, it's, it's that old American way, you know, make it look as good as you possibly can, even though everybody and your mother knows you're getting screwed on this one. What's the secret? Well, there is no secret. We've put out 99% of the documents. Unless we were strongly counseled otherwise by common sense and the fact that nobody wants anybody to feel that the FBI, the CIA, or the Secret Service would let their own president get killed because he was making too much noise. Seems nuts, right? It kind of seems crazy. I mean, it's tragic. You know, it's kind of like, you know, having, you know, now that I'm a a father and you just, there's certain things you just don't say to your kids when bad things happen or, you know, when they ask you about something, you don't want to tell them the absolute truth. So you give them, you give them that sugar-coated 99%, you know, kind of deal. It kind of feels like that. Like, we all kind of know where this is going, but if we never really admit it to each other, and it's never publicly confirmed. We always have that little bit of deniability that helps us go to sleep at night, right? Just that little bit of deniability. Um, I was thinking about this too as I was reading over some of the documents this afternoon. Do young people care about this at all? I'm 40, right? So this was obviously before Kennedy's assassination was before my time, almost 20 years, in fact, before I was even born. But I grew up in a generation of, you know, the adults being like, oh, we all remember where we were the day Kennedy was assassinated, you know. And then, you know, subsequently from there, becoming like a huge Beatles fan, like you, the part of the Beatles phenomenon comes from the Kennedy assassination. Nobody ever really puts that together. But the country was in such a state of depression in 62, 63, and um 63, it was a tough time in 60, 61, 62, right, of his presidency. 63, he's killed. The Beatles land and start their conquest of America in 64. So it's like the Beatles were, the Beatles is what got us over the Kennedy assassination. The Beatles were our new girlfriend. We could look at the Beatles and we could become obsessed with this and it was happy, feel-good music, and it made us feel better. And we didn't have to think about all the bad stuff with Kennedy. And, you know, it was great. I'm convinced the Beatles would have still been big, but I'm convinced that the Beatles don't become the worldwide phenomena that they, they were if it wasn't because Kennedy was killed. Because that that put the world in a place where we just needed something new to latch onto so bad. And here come the Beatles, and boom, it's that moment where they just become, they're in a new stratosphere. They're iconic, right? Uh, So all that kind of stuff. Like, I've always been interested in the Kennedy assassination because of that. Uh, Oliver Stone's movie comes out in 1992, so I'm like 11 at the time. You know, maybe I'm 15 before I watch it on cable one night and I really get hooked on it, right? So it's kind of... You know, again, it didn't happen to my generation, but again, all the adults in my generation lived through it and they were kids. It was impressionable on them. So I feel like my generation knows about it. When I look at the 30 year olds that are out there and the 20 year olds, do they even care? I mean, do they even give a shit? You know, I mean, again, now my parents who lived through this were still alive Is that what they're really waiting for? Is it another 10, 15, 20 years before that generation is totally gone and they put this stuff out there and then it's a faint memory for the rest of us? Because that's kind of what it feels like. I don't think we're going to go the the rest of the world's existence without ever knowing what happened. I just think that they're just still waiting. They're just still waiting for the people who this affected the most to pass away before they just go ahead and put it all out there. Because then the generations who really are not near it at all are like, ah, okay. You know, it's like trying to explain to a 10-year-old now the significance of the Twin Towers. They, they just don't get it. They understand. Like you, you can explain it to them all they want. They'll just never go through it the way those of us who were alive that day went through it. And the generation who was too young to go through it, but on the 10th year anniversary, we're going through it and they kind of understand it now, you know, so they kind of have a little perspective on it. They just, 
they just can't touch it the way you know the other people can that have that lived through it so i feel like the same thing happens you know with this you know all right now lisa says that the beatles didn't do shit and she watched the funeral on tv that i am so off <laughs> i appreciate that i appreciate that um I'm going to put this into review, Lisa, and then in 60 years, we're going to release the findings of your your statement versus mine. No, but I mean, it's the truth, though, right? He's killed November of 63. The Beatles land in 64, right? I mean, the Beatles became the thing that turned everything around. I mean, listen, not for everybody, right? We're still in the middle of civil rights and everything else. But when you pull out and you take a look at the timeline of everything, uh, the Beatles are uh, arriving, landing in America, playing Ed Sullivan. All we had to look at prior to this moment was JFK stuff. You know, I mean, think back again. I hate to draw parallels here to 9-11, but, you know, when baseball started up again, you know, when uh, Saturday Night Live came back, there were all these little moments of like, let's turn our attention away from the bad thing that happened and look forward to something else or a bit of normalcy right we're all trying to get back to a bit of normalcy um the beatles absolutely gave people that and it wasn't even normalcy back then because you know rock bands didn't play stadiums you know they played tiny the audit auditoriums and sometimes arenas um the beatles came in and changed everything they changed the mood of the country you know, and I don't know if we've ever had a bigger swing in mood than from 59 uh, to 71, right? From 59, when you look at 1959 to 1971, holy shit, was that a leap? You know, the Kennedy assassination, the Beatles, civil rights, um, Martin Luther King assassination. You start to get the hippie movement. You got Woodstock. You got all this stuff that's going on, you know. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just a monumental time. Uh, Lisa's sticking to her guns. Beatles had nothing to do with us getting over the Kennedy assassination. Okay. I mean, I'm not the only one who said this. This is, uh, this is it's something that's been talked about for the longest time. Again, they weren't the sole thing. I mean, far be it from us to not give our give some due to the Stones. I wouldn't want Mick Jagger getting mad at me. Of course, the Stones had you know something to do with it. Um, yeah, and listen, uh, uh, Vietnam and Carter—it was rough goings there for a long time, right? But again, the thing that got us out of the funk was was the Beatles. I feel. I mean, you know, you can talk about a couple of other different things too. Uh, the U.S. won the hockey gold medal <laughs> in '64, I think. So that, or was it '60? I don't know. Anyway, it was. It was the Beatles were a big part of this turnaround. Suddenly, we cared about something else that wasn't so bad. If that makes any sense, um, I'm not sure if we're ever going to see, like I said, the end of these documents. But um, there certainly is a shit ton to go through. If that's your thing, link is in the description again to the National Archives. You can see every single document, which I got to tell you, it's kind of cool, you know, to click on some of these PDFs and just and look at them and read them. And, you know, I mean, it's all like it's all like fun stuff. If you're into any of this, go in and click into the uh, description there and, you know, check out all the um, check out all the documents. It's fun stuff to look at to read about the Warren Commission and what they said. I mean, none of their shit ever really made sense, you know? None of, none of their shit really made a ton of sense. A lot of unanswered questions. If we're going to just go by what, um, you know, what the theory is right now. But, I mean, does anybody really believe that it was just Oswald acting alone and then Jack Ruth? Does anybody really believe that there's not something a little sticky in there, you know? I'm not really sure. Uh, 
let me see here. Read it all. You said Beatles changed it. I watched them on Sullivan. I'm Lisa. I'm not even. Are we drinking something tonight? What's happening here? Uh, I have read Warren. I think that's supposed to be commissioned book at age twelve, and said it was fake. Um, I don't know what's so horrible about saying the Beatles helped get us out of the funk of the Kennedy assassination. Is, is there? Am I alone here? Is anybody else? Anybody else help me out here? Um, Sybil says, Aunt, you're an old soul. Thank you. <laughs> Robin. Come on, Lisa. <laughs> come on, come on, Lisa. Come on, come on. I mean, what got us out of it? The, the, the Robert Kennedy assassination? The death of Martin Luther King? Those certainly were not, you know, Ten poles of happiness in those moments, you know, it, it was the Beatles. It was the the rock and roll revolution that was starting to happen. It was, you know, that was all that was all the stuff. Those were all the happy moments, you know, that led it to you could follow it all the way to sixty nine with the moon landing. And then back to my previous statement of saying fifty nine to seventy one is such an interesting time. You have the moon landing in sixty nine. You have the Mets winning the World Series. Very important. Um, then you have 1970, the Beatles break up, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young break up, right? You have all these things breaking up. Uh, 69 is also Woodstock. And, uh, and then, yeah, you're without the Beatles, Woodstock is done. The hippie movement is in and happening and the world is different. The world looks incredibly different in 1971 than it did in 1966. Ridiculously different. In 66, when the Beatles are dominating, everybody's walking around like, what happened to Elvis? Right? That was a huge change and a leap. Um, you know, it's just, I've, I feel like it's one of those really crazy, interesting times. You know? Um, mm -mm -mm. Paige, I don't know, nor does anyone for sure, but I'm enjoying the trip down memory lane. I'll tell you what, it was on, uh, JFK is on Max right now, HBO, the old HBO Max, I think. It was fun to watch it again. You know, a lot of bad, uh, I don't know what happened to the costume department there. I don't know if they're in charge of the wigs. A lot of bad wigs. Lots of bad wigs. But everybody was really good in that movie, you know. Everybody was really, Oliver Stone killed it in that movie. Mark, what's a beetle? <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, Lisa still doesn't agree with me. I love rock, but in context, you are wrong, though. I, what got us out of the funk, Lisa? I don't know what you want me to say or what you want to hear. I would love to hear what you think got us out of the funk of the Kennedy assassination. Because it had to be something. We did move on. We are still here 60, 60 years later trucking along. So I would love to hear what you think was the thing that got us out of it. And if you say the Rolling Stones, I'm going to disqualify that because it was clearly the Beatles followed by the Rolling Stones. That's, you mean, come on. Come on, Lisa. Uh, don't forget to grab a copy of Oval. That is the new novel from Frankie C's wife. Boom. There it is right there, which you can get right now with the link in the description below. Uh, grab a copy of it. They have it on Kindle and a hard copy like I have right here. Reviews are coming in. Everybody seems to love Aaron's uh, first book. I'm very proud of her. I think we're going to be uh, getting together for the fourth, and we're going to be filming some of our thank you videos uh, from those of you who purchased early on in the first couple of days. And then we got some thank you notes to sign and send out and do that whole spiel. So it's going to be a working holiday for us on 4th of July, for sure. It's definitely going to be a working holiday, but we're looking forward to it. Um, love saying thank you. All the support has been so great. Uh, Paige got her copy last week. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, Ms. Justice just put a copy of the link in the live chat there for those of you that are watching on uh, YouTube. So there you go. Jimmy Coco Pop, Vietnam took your minds off it. I mean, that's not a happy thing, though, right? We are talking about things that kind of got us out of those funks. And uh, Vietnam, definitely not one of those uh, fun things. 
Uh, Mark, throw on some DMB. There you go. There's my man. DMB has been covering um, She's So Heavy last couple of shows out. They're, they're picking up some Beatles on their live uh, tour there. It's very, very exciting. Anyway, uh, more on uh, the JFK stuff, of course, we'll follow it. Like I said, link in the description if you want to download the material for yourself and take a look-see and, um, you know, all that, all that business and jazz and all that jazz. It's just a nice thing to say. Uh, but we'll be following this. Like uh, everything else we're following. We're following, if you're wondering, we're, how many things are you following? Uh, roughly 11 million things. We are somewhere in the 11 to $14 million range of stories. That, well, I don't know why it's a dollar. In the 11 to $14 million story range of shit that we're just following. And you can throw the Kennedy assassination documents on the list. It's, it's a big list. Very, very long. But we have it. We have the list. It's backed up on a thumb drive. And uh, we'll keep our eye on this if anything else should come about. Because there's some more documents. We know there's more to come. And they're going to keep piecing things out. Uh, I guess they technically hit the deadline that they set. Um, but we're going to be still talking about this three, four presidents from now. You know, getting the the, fat, the last final uh, bits and pieces. All right. Uh, let's talk about the flying car. Pretty big day today. The FAA gave approval to this company, Aleph. Aleph Aero. And they said, based on their plans, prototypes, that they can go ahead and build the first flying car and test it out. Pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. I mean, in the grand scheme of stuff that we're looking forward to coming into existence, flying cars has always been on top of that list, along with moving staircases and shit like that. And now, for the first time in our history, the Federal Aviation Actuaries Administration, Federal Aviation Administration, has given the okay to test out a flying car. That's pretty sweet. That's a pretty sweet ordeal. Uh, here's a look at it. This is from Aleph's website. I hope I'm saying their name right. A-L-E-F dot A-E-R-O. You can actually pre-order one of the cars for 150 bucks. Now, that's pretty interesting because they're expecting this car to be around $300,000. So this idea that you can literally pay $150 as a down payment for something that costs 300 grand is, in a nutshell, one of the things that makes America the greatest country on the world. I mean, you just, we literally just got out of a friggin' housing crisis. We're barely teetering on another one. And you're like, why shouldn't you be able to put down $150 to secure something that costs 300 grand? It makes sense. That all checks out. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that this is a company trying to get off the ground here. But again, in the wake of the whole uh, Ocean Gate thing, you'd think we'd be a little bit more responsible with some of these upstarts. You know, some of these startup companies that are making some things move around here. How much is it going to go for? 300 grand. Great. Can I leave you down payment? Absolutely. What do you need? Like 10%? You're talking about like, no, 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 no. You got 150 bucks on you? 150 bucks gets you on the list. No problem. No problem. Oh, okay. So all I have to come up with is 299,850 more dollars. Yep. Cool. Got it. We're set. Uh, 150 bucks gets you on the pre-order queue. $1,500 gets you on the priority queue. Oh. Uh, apologies to those who are listening only, but if you're watching, you can see some of the images here that we're showing. It is a pretty sleek and futuristic looking car. I mean, it is quite interesting. Now, if you're watching, you'll see that the bottom of the car appears to be rather solid and the top of it has like all these little holes in it and it is an interesting concept because if you look at the vehicle from like a top-down view this whole area is actually where a huge fan goes that pushes the car up that keeps you floating now i'm not going to claim to get into all the specifics here but 
essentially we're talking about picture the body of a car if you're listening and the middle area where people sit is an actual solid pod but everything else around it is not and is essentially wide open you could blow a breeze from top to bottom you could stand on the hood of this car with a fan and you could blow leaves underneath the car out of the way like the whole thing is just wide open it is such an interesting concept for uh, a flight now i was looking at some of this technology and and um the first like the first try at this sort of concept was massive i mean picture a school bus and it had a huge cockpit in the middle and the rest of it was just all this sort of grating around it the front and the back and that's what helped the thing get off the ground um what these folks over here at alif i feel like i'm definitely saying that wrong what they have designed is truly extraordinary and i like how even in their little story is the uh <laughs> is the fucking back to the future uh keypad uh thing there from the delorean how friggin' great is that uh but they started only in 2015 and they have been you know working at this idea and this concept in 2021 uh it says here the company's leadership team were ready to extend their focus beyond just engineering and turn the look and feel of their expanding brand. Their team expanded with the recruitment of famous exterior interior former Bugatti and other major brand designer Harash Razaghi, whose mandate was to define the modern sporty exterior design of the company's consumer vehicle. In 2022, the company officially rebranded under the name Aleph and launched its public-facing website along with a defined mission and a vision for a new consumer future. Aleph is in the, as in the first letter of the Phoenician, Aramaic, Hebrew, Arabic, Persian, Syrian, and other alphabets, signifies the leading position Aleph will eventually occupy in the hearts, minds, and garages of the public. Well, damn, that was beautiful. That was just quite lovely. Um, and you can see here they got a news section, but it's the pre-order section if you want to get like a fun little good look at the car, which has doors that open up, like uh, the wing doors that open up. It's pretty cool. Look at this. You could pay with Venmo. You can Venmo $150 and be on the list for the first ever flying car. Is that crazy or what? We are in the future. How long until we're complaining about the skies being congested, though, right? How long? Five minutes after we fucking start this shit, we're going to be like, I'm anyway, I'm flying the other day, and this asshole in front of me would just not move. And I mean, it's like, go already. Um, <laughs> tough choices. Here's Paige. I have to, damn, I have to choose AOA membership or future flying car. What do I invest in? Go with the flying car. I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to be less disappointed. More likely to kill you than this podcast. If I'm being totally honest, I don't want to blow smoke up my ass, but odds are we're not going to murder anybody. Whereas this car, I feel... Mm. All right, it's July 3rd, 2023. The FAA today has approved this flying car. They're going to start testing it in real situations, right? Uh, almost immediately. Again, today is day one. I mean, this thing has been in, in development for years, but let's say today is day one, July 3rd, 2023. When are you, and I want to see your answer in the comments, in the live chat, when are you getting into the flying car for the first time? Give me the date. What date are you stepping foot in this thing to take off and go to the grocery store? That's what I want to know. What date? Obviously, maybe it's not, maybe you're not buying it for the first time. Maybe it's not the first time you drive it yourself. But whether it's your rich uncle or the guy down the block got one, whatever it is, what is the first date that you step foot into this flying vehicle and let it ride? Christine Conlin, never. <laughs> 
that is an acceptable date. Outside of a day and year and month, I will also accept never. Uh, Raven Page, when it's safe. Well, that's what I'm saying. When is it going to be safe? When is it going to be safe? This is a great question from Ms. Justice. Do you have a choice on how high you fly? I'm scared of heights. I would imagine we would get some low-level flights. Yeah. Well, it opens up a whole new thing, too, because, I mean, this is weird, because when I lived in New York City, and I lived in Queens, I live right by JFK Airport. So I was eye-level. I could look at passengers on the, on the flights from Air France and British Airways and American Airlines. I could look at, I could go up to my second floor and be eye-level with passengers. People would wave to me when I was using my bathroom sometimes. Uh, that's how close we were. But we were always used to low-level flying jets, right? That's just what we had. We didn't have a lot of, like, single prop planes rolling around because, again, I lived in a the flight path, JFK Airport, biggest friggin' international airport on the eastern seaboard, right? Um, when I moved out here to the Hamptons, I realized they got one of these local little airports every five minutes. And people literally, there's a whole airplane culture that people literally like fly. Like I, they, they had this whole big fight over the East Hampton airport over here. And so I got involved for a little while with that. And the amount of people that are like, yeah, I get in my plane on a Saturday morning and I'll go fly to Philadelphia or I'll go fly to Connecticut and I'll spend the day there and I'll, you know, stay overnight and get back on my plane and go. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Who are these people? But a couple of the guys were really nice guys, blue collar guys. Like, yeah, you know, it's not, it's, it's more affordable than you think. You know, they have Hondas for the skies. As one guy told me, I'm like, you're flying your own plane. He's like, it sounds like a big deal, but it's more like a Honda with wings. I was like, all right. He's like, I like flying around. And so there's this whole FAA structure on where you can fly at what heights, depending on what you're playing. So to answer Miss Justice, your question, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're going to have certain levels because they got to look out for the single prop planes. They got to look out for obviously the big jets. You know, we got military stuff out there to worry about, police helicopters out there to worry about, right? Emergency responder helicopters, all that jazz. So I'm sure there's going to be some sort of space that they can do that with. And my guess is going to be, it's going to be relatively low, you know, for several reasons. If you're crashing from 500 feet in the air, that's a big boom and a big boo-boo. If you're crashing from 200 feet in the air, not so bad. But again, that's going to change what's, what's going to be allowed in New York City. is going to be drastically different than what gets allowed in Montana, you know. Uh, I like Robin here November 31st. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mark, October 21st, 2085. Good date. A little ways away. 60 years of flying till you get in there. Uh, Will, July 6th, 142 a.m. It's, it's very soon. That is very soon. Sybil, 2030. That seems like a fair amount of time. That seems like a good amount of time. I, I had a rule when it came to outer space travel. And I'm going to stick by that rule today. 10 years. 10 years when I see that this is a safe thing, that people are doing this, 10 years after that first mission is done, then I will think about it. But I'm going to wait 10 years. I'm just going to, I'm not going to be an early adopter. This is not going to happen. This ain't laser disc. I got burned once. I ain't getting burned again. All right. Fucking who saw DVDs coming? It was all laser disc back in the day. Anyway, I'm thinking 10 years. 10 years after the neighbor starts flying around, then I'll go, all right, I'll get in this. Because we're seeing it with the self-driving cars right now, right? I, I would kind of get, like, I'll see the video of people like, oh, I'm in Arizona. All right, I'll drive around in a self-driving car in Arizona. It's fucking Tucson. I mean, how bad could it be? Even if the thing fucking runs into a wall, it's, I feel like eh, we're in Arizona. We're doing 20. It'll be fine. 30 miles an hour. There's fucking nobody in that city anyway. It'll be fine. I would get in a self-driving car in Arizona. Would I get in one in New York right now? Absolutely not. No fucking way. There's just no way. And it would have to be running in New York for quite a bit of time for me to then get into a driverless car 
in New York City and just let that take me wherever we need to go. Because you just there's too many people. It's too many like, oh, I might need to like back out of this or swing left, swing right. And I want a human being in there as flawed as we are, you know, to make that happen. Oh, here's the thing for Miss Justice. Miss Justice, it's like, you know, a way into my biggest fears. Can you imagine the driver's exam when the flying cars come around? I can't even imagine. My son is seven. He's 10 years away from driving. I'm already terrified about it. And this is just regular cars on the ground. Terrified. No, I cannot imagine what we'll be talking about when we got flying car tests. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think most people feel like the tests we have now for cars that are on the ground is inadequate and not really good enough. It's not really reassuring. If you can pass one of those tests, doesn't mean you can necessarily drive good. So, no, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. I still can't imagine what that's going to be like. But for the low, low price of 150 bucks, you can get yourself on the list for the flying car. It's, it's true. I got to tell you something. I can't even remember when my cable bill last was $150, okay? I'm up to like two-something right at this fucking point. And yet I can get myself on the list for the flying car. That's amazing. That is amazing to me. <laughs> Fucking $150. On what what other planet can you reserve a $300,000 item for only $150? I mean, it's crazy talk. That's like wandering into the Lexus dealer right now going, yeah, that $90,000 car you have. Can I put a nickel down on that right now? I'll be back. I should be fine. I'm going to put in I'm going to put 5 cents down on the $90,000 car. And then we'll, you know, we'll get it together. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I like Will's answer. When when the price drops to 50 grand. <laughs> What's amazing about this is it I mean I don't even know if this is some weird sort of element that they're it looks like plastic to me. If I could be honest with you, it looks entirely like plastic. Like I would be it is electric. So you're going to have some batteries to deal with. But I think we're going to be surprised. I mean, 300,000, I think we're going to be surprised at how fast the prices on these things come down. Same thing with electric cars too, right? Because Volvo's going all electric and then Ford and all these companies now are starting to, they're, they're going to have their entire fleet be electric. Those, those, the car, the prices of electric cars are going to start to drop. It's going to be like what a big screen TV was like 10 years ago. You know when a big screen TV, like a 50-inch TV came out, it was like $5,800. Now you could literally buy, you could buy a 75-inch a TV in Costco for 35 cents. It's amazing. Honestly, it's the whole thing is crazy. It's, it's insane where it's come. But everybody and their brother's making a flat screen TV now, and you can literally buy them at Costco for less than $150. For less than the cost of a future flying vehicle, you can get into a 95-inch television at your local Costco. Um, sad news in the world. Uh, Robert De Niro's grandson found dead. What a fucking tragedy. It's a young kid. It's just freaking awful. I know De Niro. I don't know his whole fucking family tree. I know he's got some kids and just divorced his wife and all this. But uh, his teenage uh, grandson suddenly died. Um, 19 years old, found in his New York City apartment. Just sad. Um, De Niro's daughter, Drina De Niro, put out a statement confirming it on Instagram. According to TMZ, there was a white powder found near it, so they think it's a drug overdose. I don't know if it's a suicide or just a drug overdose or what. Nothing's been confirmed yet, but a concerned friend went to go check on the teen and found him slumped over in a chair. This is according to TMZ. Um, law enforcement sources told the New York Post that investigators are looking at not whether whether or not the teen overdosed on drugs uh, causes death is yet to be determined. But sources say a white powder substance was found uh, in the apartment near or around his body. Um, just heartbreaking. Just really, really heartbreaking. Uh, so thoughts, thoughts to that whole family, prayers, all that stuff. Just terrible. 79 years old, De Niro. 
that's a tragedy that you won't have to fucking you won't, you don't wish on anybody to have to go through. Uh, and of course, the paparazzi's out there fucking taking pictures of him to get the first picture of De Niro after he learned about his grandson showing up dead. Fucking terrible, terrible, shitty world we live in sometimes. Uh, but a, a tragedy nonetheless. So feel sorry for De Niro. I hate this is one of those instances where I'm like, I'm looking at a picture of him coming out of his apartment, covering his face with a fucking newspaper. And I just hate it. I hate that I'm part of the the people who consume this kind of thing. I wish they would just leave him alone. It's such a fucking tragedy. I can't even imagine going through that. But 19 years old, Jesus Christ. Fucking kid. Uh, anyway, that is it. There's a couple of things. Uh, Michael Imperioli from over the weekend uh, had a hilarious take on the Supreme Court stuff that we talked about on the last episode saying that he is uh, forbidding bigots and homophobes to watch any of his work. That kind of caught a little buzz. I appreciated the humor behind that and good for him. There's going to be so much more fallout to come from the Supreme court stuff. I, I have no doubt that it'll figure itself out. You know, I really, I really don't have any doubt that we'll get that figured out. Uh, although it's interesting the way they're taking it on right now. Um, next episode, uh, we'll follow up on some Prince Andrew stuff. We got some more on the Ocean Gate, uh, Titan, of course. If anything else pops with this JFK assassination again, people are combing through a lot of the documents. The, all the shit just came out, so I'm sure there might even be more to come from this current document dump. So we'll fill you in on that if there's anything there. Uh, of course, tomorrow, hot dog eating uh, day, right? Uh, Nathan's got the big contest, so. Lots of luck to Joey Chestnuts. I think he's competing again. The guy's a fucking savage. Uh, absolutely crazy. Uh, if you're celebrating America, good for you. Congratulations on the birth of your nation. Uh, I'll be celebrating. I do miss the days, though, when we all used to go to Old Navy and buy a fucking American flag shirt for $3. Remember that? We used to all wear the Old Navy shirts to the barbecue. Like, look at us and our Old Navy American flag. Look at the flag this year. Do they still do that, Old Navy, the flags? That was a whole scene for a while, remember? Your dad and your uncle and your cousin, everybody would show up wearing the same fucking American flag shirt. And it, it was, you bought it for $3.50. It was, of course, it wasn't made here in America. That would be crazy. But you bought it for three fifty. you wore it. It maybe lasted a week and a half before it literally just disintegrated off your body. That's how it was just, I don't even know what they made it out of. Some would say thread. Some would say just <laughs> magic. It would just spontaneously. You'd be like, "What happened to my American flag shirt?" It it looks like those little flowers that you you blow on and they just kind of go everywhere. That's what those American flag shirts look like after just after that second wash. It would just just fly a little gust of wind, and next thing you know, you're topless. Um, but those were the good old days. I wish I wish some mass production company would come up with shitty cheap American flag shirts, so all of us like dopes could show up to the barbecue wearing the same shit. I miss those days. Anyway, if you're celebrating, um, happy birthday to America. Very big fan. I know I criticize it and say a lot of shit, but love it. Favorite country, hands down. Not even close. Uh, give it a 9.9. Um, and you're like, one out of 10, Ant. It's America. That's un-American. Well, we might find something better. You never know. You never know. And I've never really been to the Maldives. And from what I could see in most pictures, it looks pretty fucking sweet. I mean, it looks really, really nice. Really nice. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, appreciate you guys. We'll uh, be back, of course, after the holiday. Please, I'm asking you to do one thing for me over the next uh, 48 hours. Don't blow off a finger. All right. Let's have some fun. Let's have some brewskis. Let's have some Dylan Mulvaney's and feel like Americans. And let's keep, let's call, let's all come back with the same amount of fingers we have on July 3rd. That's the goal, right? That is the goal every year. Let's all return with the same amount of extremities and uh, make sure we all come back in one piece. I would love for that to happen. Uh, appreciate all the comments. Thanks to everybody in the live chat. Thanks to everybody who bought a book, Oval, the new novel from Erin Campanella. Um, of course, uh, if you bought one, make sure you send us proof of your purchase. If you bought it in the month of June, if you bought it on June 1st or 2nd, we'll send you a video. If you bought it in the month of June, we'll send you a thank you note. 
Uh, you literally have until July 4th to get that thank you note over to us because we're writing those things once and sending them out. Not doing that for longer. So if you're one of these people who bought the book and you've been waiting to send that, that proof over, now's the time, baby. Send it on over so we can write those thank you notes when we all gather tomorrow for America's birthday. Show me potato salad. Happy birthday, Merka. Thanks, everybody. Maybe we should go now. Go ahead.